We meet today in Isaiah chapter 38. In chapter 38, we see the prayer of Hezekiah when told he is to die. Also in this chapter then, we see the promise of healing, the miracle of the sundial, then Hezekiah's poem of praise. This chapter deals with Hezekiah's illness, prayer, and healing. Now, it is well to keep in mind that while Hezekiah was beset by the danger of the Assyrian host, he was plagued by a boil. What a double tragedy. His deliverance from death must have been prior to the destruction of the Assyrian host. It was while the siege was going on, and the answer to prayer must have encouraged his heart relative to Isaiah's prediction of the coming deliverance of Jerusalem. Hezekiah reigned 29 years. He reigned 15 years after this event, so his sickness was in the 14th year of his reign. And we are told that Sennacherib came up against Jerusalem in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, according to Isaiah chapter 36 verse 1. Now, all of this happened in the same year, the sickness of Hezekiah and the siege of Jerusalem by the Assyrians. Here is the prayer of Hezekiah when told that he is to die. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Isaiah 38 verse 1 What would you do, my friend, if you are told, Sort your house, if today was your last day, if this week was your last day, what is it that you would make right? This same sort of message came to Hezekiah. Now it is interesting the way this chapter opens. We have seen that in that day is a technical expression that speaks of the tribulation and the millennial days. Now this verse does not open by saying in that day. It says in those days. Now, what days is Isaiah talking about? Well, he is talking about those days in which he and Hezekiah lived. Hezekiah was sick and near death. He was having trouble with a boil that was just about to kill him. In addition to that, he was having trouble with the Assyrians. Double tragedy. There are those who believe that Hezekiah's boil was either a cancer or leprosy or something similar. Whatever it was, it was actually terminal illness. It was a terminal disease. And his time to die had come. The man of God, Isaiah, came and said and told him, set your house in order. So Isaiah delivered the sentence of Hezekiah there which was basically a death sentence. It is true that this sentence of death rests upon each one of us, although we do not know the day or the hour when that sentence will be executed. But we do not know. We do not know when that day will be. However, what we know is the assurance of that day. It is a sure case. Hebrews 9 verse 27 tells us, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, 
judgment. Therefore, it is an appointment none of us would miss unless if the Lord comes. You see, this is a divine date. If each one of us knew the exact time, actually our lifestyle would change. Well, why do we need to change? Why would we need to know? We just need to live our lives today in an orderly way so that even if it is today, we are ready. We are ready to go. My friend, when a Christian is suddenly confronted with the sentence of death, he surely begins to give a proper evaluation of the material things. Actually, Hezekiah was confronted with death. And what did he do? He began to have a balanced evaluation of things. When Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. Isaiah 38 verse 2. We have seen Hezekiah in prayer before when he spread Sennacherib's letter before the Lord. So in that crisis, he tended to the Lord. In his sickness, he tended to the Lord. That's what every child of God ought to do. Turn to the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight? And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Isaiah 38 verse 3. You see, when he tended to the Lord, he is not afraid to say to God, Look at my life. See what I have done. Remember how I have walked before you. And how did he walk before God? It was in truth and in integrity. And he did what was right. In the sight of God. My friend, if you walk in truth, if you walk in integrity, if you do what is right in the sight of God, you will not be afraid to remind God and say, God, see what I have done. And there Hezekiah prayed and he wept bitterly. This is a time when a man can weep, my friend. You are bound to weep at a time like this. But Hezekiah also prayed on the basis of his life. This man had a good reputation before God, and under the Mosaic law, this was the accurate thing to do. Second Kings chapter 18 verse 5 says concerning Hezekiah, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. You see, he trusted God. And actually, he also cling to God. Hezekiah was an outstanding man. He was not boasting when he made this claim. He simply said to God, see how I have walked before you. So what happens? Then the promise of healing comes. But we also have, in after the promise of the healing, the miracle of the sundial. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days fifteen years. Isaiah 38 
verse 4 to verse 5. God did hear and answer his prayer, and he extended his life by 15 years. He did it, not for Hezekiah's sake, but it was for David's sake. Remember, he identifies him and says, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. But it is the God of David, your father, who is answering. And he says, I'll add 15 years to your life. That is not the basis upon which our prayers are heard. Upon uh, meaning for the sake of David. No, today our prayers are heard for the sake of David's great son. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 16, verse 23 to verse 24, the Lord says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. What a promise, you see, for the sake of the greater son of David, Jesus Christ, our prayers are heard today. You and I can go to our Heavenly Father with our requests in the name of Jesus Christ. To pray in the name of Christ means that you are in Christ and you are praying for his will to be done. It means that it is to please him. Sometimes he will heal and sometimes he won't. He is the one who is to decide. And because we are talking about this subject, it raises another subject about the mystery of miracles. Let's talk about the mystery of miracles for a while in this context. You see, my friend, miracles trouble some people. And for that reason, miracles are usually dismissed as fables or worse as frauds. Others take a more accommodating but nonetheless patronizing view. They explain away miracles as merely surprises of life and nature that seem out of the ordinary and therefore are difficult but not impossible to explain. Well, according to this theory, reports of miracles are really just the aberrant perceptions of primitive superstitious people and therefore should be ignored. Well, my friend, that is a view that is pessimistic, that is a view that has tended to become skeptical. What does the Bible say? The Bible treats miracles as matters of fact, my friend. We have here the example of the healing of King Hezekiah, including the reversal of the sandal shadow. It is told in a straightforward way. It is a miracle. Is this myth or it is a mystery? Well, the possibility of miracles is easy to accept if one starts where the Bible starts, with the premise that the entire world and all its systems, including human life, are the creation of a powerful and ever-working God who oversees it all. Genesis 1 and 2, and then Psalm chapter 104, John 1 verse 1 to verse 3, they tell us of God's creative power 
in starting this whole universe to understand miracles would become nothing when we take that global view. That's why the biblical writers can speak of creation and miracles in the same context, actually. For example, the psalmist describes creation alongside Israel's miraculous escape from Egypt, treating both in the same manner. That is, in Psalm 135, verse 5 to verse 9, in Psalm 136, verse 1 to verse 16, where the psalmist talks of the great faithfulness of God. From creation to the victories that they experienced and the miracles of the crossing of the Red Sea, the miracles of God's provision and healing and taking them through the desert. Again, together with creation and the events of life, God is seen as the sole actor in the affairs of man. Likewise, the amazing systems that God has placed in our bodies cause us to praise him. We call them natural, but are they really any less miraculous than God being present in the deepest darkness or the highest heavens? Of Psalm 139 verse 7 to verse 18. The point is, what we often describe as nature does not exist in and of itself. Nature has been created and is sustained by God. Thus, exceptions to the way things naturally operate must be seen in the larger picture of God ruling all. If everything belongs to him, then exceptions to the normal are his prerogative. Only God has the power of life and death. Ultimately, there is never a situation beyond his intervention. If he wills to restore health or extends days, he will do it. So miracles are there. They are a possibility and they happen not because men uh, bring them about. It is God who brings about miracles when it pleases him and it is for his own purpose so that his will will be established. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city. Isaiah 38 verse 6. You see, God ties in his deliverance of Jerusalem from the Assyrian with the deliverance of Hezekiah from death. You see, he says, I'll deliver you and this city. Together it's put there. God's answer to one request will encourage the believer's heart that he will answer the other request. Isn't it interesting? Here is Hezekiah pleading for his life and God says, I will attend to what your problem is but I will also attend to other threats around your life. Isn't it interesting? It fits in with seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you when we seek first the kingdom of God and his will, his justice, his love, his doings. The other things, he knows we need them and he will equally give those to us. And this is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial which has gone down 
with the sun on the sundial of Ahazi, 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. Isaiah 38 verse 7 to verse 8. You see, God gave him a sign which was an assurance that he would answer his prayer. He would heal him. He would deliver him from the Assyrians. What was the sign? It was this sign of the shadow of the sundial which was brought back 10 degrees. Amazing how God intervenes. F.C. Jennings, in his studies in Isaiah, translate this verse like this. Behold, I will cause the shadow of the steps to return, which is gone down on the steps of Ahaz with the sun, backward ten steps. And the sun returned ten steps by the steps which it had gone down. You see, my friend, the translation of degrees here can also be steps. So Dr. Jennings comments, we can now transport ourselves in spirit to Hezekiah's palace and into his chamber. There lies the king, still prone on his couch, but with his face no longer turned to the wall, but joy and hope brightening his eyes as he looks out of the window to the gardens, in the midst of which, and in full view, stands an obelisk or column with a series of steps leading up to it, and at least ten of these are lying in the column's shadow. For the sun has gone so far down as to throw the shadow over that number of steps. Back, look again. The once darkened steps are now in the clearest sunlight. Tis the sign for which the king had asked for. This comment from Dr. Jennings is accurate. God is an amazing God. He intervenes and he causes things to return, almost affirming that he would give more years to Hezekiah. But the inclination and the understanding there is almost like, I have actually made your life go back more years. You have gone back in terms of your lifeline. Thus, he has added more years to his life. As a result of this joyous news and God's promise, what does Hezekiah do? He is healed of the Lord. He gives a poem of praise. A poem of praise. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. Isaiah 38 verse 9. You see here in response to his renewed hope for deliverance from his illness, Hezekiah sings a poem song of praise to the Lord. The verses following are a fine thesis on death by one who was very near to it. Many believe that Hezekiah composed Psalm 116 at this time. Now the question arises, was Hezekiah right in asking God to extend his life? Was he right? The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Hezekiah 38 verse 20. 
At this time, there was a great welling up of praise in the heart of Hezekiah. His song of praise to God was evidently set to music and sung. However, after this experience, Hezekiah became rather proud and arrogant. In the book of Chronicles, which is God's viewpoint of history, we are told, But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Second Chronicles 32 verse 25. Now here is evidence to the fact that maybe Hezekiah should not have asked for an extension of his life because it led to pride in his life. He was raised up. How can anyone become so proud after God had extended his life? After experiencing a miracle like Hezekiah did, there is a danger of withdrawing from the Lord. You would think that it would draw one closer to God, but instead there is a grave danger of getting away from him. So the question comes again, was Hezekiah right in asking God to extend his life? Should he not have died when the time had come? There is another consideration which leads me to actually believe that he should have died when his time had come. Manasseh, his son, was 12 years old when he began to reign, which means that he was born after Hezekiah's sickness. Manasseh was the worst king who ever reigned in either kingdom. I consider Manasseh worse than Ahab and Jezebel put together. And I think that it was during his reign that the Shekinah glory departed. The glory of God departed from Judah during Manasseh's reign. If he didn't depart during his reign, I can't think of any reason it would depart afterward. So Manasseh was very much like the Antichrist, the man of sin, who is yet to come? So the question is, was Hezekiah right in asking for the extension of his life? Well, in the next chapter, we will see that Hezekiah played the fool after the experience of healing. So there are three considerations actually here. His heart was lifted and then he gave birth to Manasseh, the evil king. And then he played the fool. Now, how did God perform the healing of Hezekiah? Let's look at that briefly. Did he have Isaiah pray over him? Or did Isaiah lay his hand on him so hard that he fell backward or pushed him? No. Notice what Isaiah did. Now, Isaiah had said, Let them Take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. Isaiah 38 verse 21. In other words here, he did two things that James recommends us. In James chapter 5 verse 14 we are told, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
You see, this anointing we see is not religious or ceremonial. The oil here was used for healing. It is medicinal. And the elders are to pray for the one who is sick. Meaning to say, prayer and the practical means of healing were applied. And in this case, it was the lump of figs which were applied as poultice on the boil. What God said through Isaiah and through James is the same. When you get sick, pray. And then, to put it in a simple way, pray. And then go to the doctor, get the medication, for God expects us to be sensible. Yes, this is how the miracle was performed. Again, I would like you to anticipate us answering the big question. Was Hezekiah right? in asking to be healed and even in praying for the extension of his life. Keep this at the back of your mind. His heart was lifted. He gave birth or Manasseh was born to him who became the evil king. And then he also played the fool. That is what we will look at in our next chapter, particularly chapter 39, as we conclude this historic section. But for now, may God encourage us to trust God with our lives and even to allow God to intervene in our spiritual life and our secular life, for God is at the center of everything. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to Plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by seven two six four one four four seven five. From within South Africa, it's zero seven two six four one. Four four seven five.